on, church. Stand to your feet and give him a praise. Are you ready? Let's give him 10 seconds of praise on a Sunday morning. Pentecost, 10 seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7. Come on, it's all right. Hallelujah. Oh, we're not done. Let's just praise him for a second longer. He's worthy. The Lamb is risen. See, I've learned that purity is the backbone of authority, but authority is determined by brokenness. And so over the next few minutes as I move into this word, I want you to prepare your hearts because I believe this could be for some in this room your greatest day as a believer. So I must share simply a word called the roar from upstairs. See, every revival has a sound. And it usually starts with weeping. It usually starts with moaning. Usually starts with going through some things. But I love what the scripture says. And, 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 and I found this a couple days ago because, again, we wrote the book Restore the Roar. Hasn't even come out yet. But I turned to Acts chapter 2, looking at verse 6. And the Bible says, when the people of the city heard the roaring sound. You know what I've learned? There comes a moment where you got to come out of hiding. There comes a moment where you've got to take what's inside of you and give it away. Are you with me so far? Because isolated Christians hiding from an infected culture will only hoard the antidote called hope. Now go back to Acts chapter 2. It goes on to say, when the people heard the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it was coming from, stunned over what was happening, because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. But you have to understand, you, this just didn't happen. There was a process. There were some things that had to take place, and you have to understand what I'm talking about, because I say it again, every revival has a sound. Reminded of about a year ago, it was New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. My son and our grand, my daughter-in-law and our grandsons were at the house and they came home for about two weeks to visit with us where we live in Texas. And, and I've got two grandsons that are called to change the world and I'm their favorite grandparent. Karen, don't front me in front of these people. She does that. And after about a week and a half or so of them being at home, it was, it was just one of those moments where we needed to leave. Just needed some coffee. So I look over at Karen and I go, hey, you, you want to go to Starbucks? I think it was right after our grandson had squeegeed the sliding glass door with bacon, which our Yorkie still loves. She just stands there and licks. We're riding down the road and all of a sudden the cell phone rings and I look over and it's Pastor John Kilpatrick who led the great Brownsville revival who did the forward for our last book, Rebuilding the Altar. And, and immediately I answer because when fathers call, you answer. I said, yes, sir. He said, you're driving across a bridge. And we were actually driving across a bridge. And he said, I want to tell you to prepare for a year of interruptions. And it was just that. We saw outbreaks of God and Miami and Charlotte and Wisconsin and 
Atlanta, Georgia, where we've seen over almost 7,000 baptized in water. And that, that particular has, place has a sound of freedom as people come up out of the water and they're immediately healed of cancer and all these moves of God that have broke out there. And, and it's been one of those years where this last year where we saw all these outbreaks of God and we had never seen that before. And I reminded what Pastor Bunky had said to me one point. He said, Pat, you would have revival if your schedule didn't get in the way. So for years, I've waited on God to break out in places. Can I tell you, it's been prophesied over this weekend that some of you would begin to step into perpetual revival. I got two prophecies that were texting me over the last couple of days saying, telling, to tell people your families were about to see miracles break out. Somebody give God a praise offering. But what you have to understand, there's a moment where you need to realize that God has been trying to get your attention. Now, I want you to go back with me 53 days later or earlier. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon, when the Lamb of God is now suspended between heaven and earth, he is naked. There is no skin left on his body. He has become the ultimate sacrifice, and he's hanging on a cross, and he cries out, it is finished. In fact, I love what it says in Mark chapter 15. Just then, Jesus constantly cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Here's what you've got to understand. It is in the roar. It is in the crying out that breakthrough begins to happen in your life. And what you have to realize is when he was hanging on the cross and he said, it is finished. In fact, the attitude of the cross is I thirst, I forgive, and it's finished. In fact, until you do those three things, God can't use you. He said, I thirst, I forgive, and it's finished. But when he cried out, it is finished, at that moment, releasing his breath, the lion roared and the spirit began to soar. What are you talking about, Pat? Exactly at the same time across town, the high priest, as he does every Passover on every Friday, the high priest was marking the hooves of the animal that was being sacrificed on its feet, its hind legs, and the high priest declared it is finished. That's why John 19, verse 30 says, when he had sipped the sour wine, he said, it is finished, my bride. Then he bowed his head and surrendered his spirit. Can I say something to you? If he can roar, so can we. If he can cry out, we can cry out. And so you have to understand, I've come to ask you a simple question. Is there a cry within your spirit this morning like there's got to be more? See, I know what it's like. See, I've learned some things, and that is that the, the, the roar always starts with a groan, and there's that deep calleth unto deep moment. In fact, I love Psalms 34, verse 17, where God's word says very clearly, yet when holy lovers of God cry out to him with all their hearts, the Lord will hear them and come to rescue them from all of their troubles. In fact, we serve a God that knows how to make noise. Psalms 50, verse 3 says, with the rumble of thunder he approaches, he'll not be silent, for he comes with an ear-splitting sound. And until there's a roar that rises up in your spirit, like would take place 53 days later after the cross, that I'm going to talk about in just a moment, the roar that the whole city heard, until there's a roar that rises up in your spirit, the enemy will always offer you an exit door to yesterday. And it'll be the wrong door. When God is saying, I'm calling people to step back into my presence to restore your homes, to restore your children, to restore freedom in your house, to break the lies. Somebody help me preach this morning. To break the stuff off your family. Somebody get excited because this is the morning where all of a sudden something is going to rise up. Come on, give him a shout.
Have you ever had an alarm go off in your spirit? Well, we did last year when the doctor walked, came in and told us after several months and God had told Karen, we write about it in our new book, Karen, I, I need you to trust me. You're about to walk through something. She came and told me about it when God spoke to her and immediately I rebuked her. Immediately I said, no, that, that, I, don't feel, I don't think that's from God. So he said, she said, Pat, the Lord just told me we're going to walk through something but to trust him. She writes about the difference between trust and faith. Faith is a response to what the very reputation of God, but trust is a response to my relationship with God. Big difference. Faith moves to trust. Trust is graduated faith. We walk through this season, traveling the world, seeing, launching the book, rebuilding the altar, all of this stuff, while she was getting sicker and more sick until the doctor walked in and said, you had leukemia. And then it, we, we, but we, we looked at him and said, no. And every morning, we would take the doctor's report and lay it on the altar and say, we rebuke this. This is not from God. Until finally, a few months later, the doctor comes in and says, I don't know what's happened, but your blood has been completely healed. You do not have cancer. Somebody. But you've got to walk through something to understand the roar. Reminded of a week ago, May 29th, week and a half ago, we had just flown in from Singapore. We saw thousands of lives touched and transformed. I was battling with jet lag a little bit, and so I was up throughout the night, and finally I go up to my prayer room in this upstairs area in our home where I go pray. It's where I write books, and and, and, and I'm just praying for about an hour, and all of a sudden I hear this scream, an ear-piercing scream, the sound of a woman. I immediately, this just, this just happened, I immediately ran downstairs, and Karen and, and Abby were just fine. They were just waking up. It's early in the morning, and I'm like, what in the world was that? And I'm walking back up the stairs to the bedroom where I go and pray and where I write books. And all of a sudden, the Lord begins to speak to my spirit. And he said, what you just heard was the sound of birthing. I said, Lord, I don't understand what that means. I've never given birth to anything except a kidney stone, and I named that brother. Amen. <laughs> Little Billy. And all of a sudden, the Lord said, get ready. I want to share something with you. And I wrote this down. He said to me, Pat, the cry that you heard is the birth pains. The birth pains have begun. The water has broken. The bride is in labor. I said, Lord, this is so weird. This is so different. This isn't my style. What are you saying this to me for? And I actually wrote an article called The Ministry of the Midwife. And it says, call forth the midwives to grab the towels and the water. The time has come for deliverers to arise. Prepare the sons and daughters to come forth. These will be those that will usher in the greatest harvest the world has ever seen. Tell my midwives that their time has come. The birth of the newborn shall come quickly. They must come from their places of normality and be prepared to hold the hand of those that are ushering in this harvest. They will be the protectors of the innocent, the propagators of the new life, and guardians of the sacred trust called delivery. And I said, Lord, I don't understand this. I'm sitting in my prayer room. This is just a week ago. And I'm praying. Oh, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. And all of a sudden, God began to burn in my spirit. He said, we are now living in a day where the life of an unborn child is not, can not only be taken right after conception, but can now be taken on the delivery room table. That afternoon, Illinois passed a law saying you could kill a child after it was born. Is it okay if I say that here? Because this ain't about donkeys or elephants. It's about the lamb.
And what you got to understand is, I'm sitting there. I didn't know all this was happening. And God began to say, I'm restoring the roar to a nation to stand up and say, enough's enough. Immediately, I turned to Romans 8, verse 19. And it says, the entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. And I'm sitting in my prayer room. And I said, Lord, what is going on? And he said frustration is in the atmosphere i'm stirring up frustration that's why it goes on to say in 8 8 chapter 8 verse 20 for creation was subject to frustration not by its own choice but by the will of the one that subjected and hope that creation itself would be liberated from its bondage and brought in the glorious freedom of god what am i saying to you god has to create the atmosphere of frustration because frustration and agitation are the mother of intercession. God has to create this stirring inside of you that there's got to be more in order for you to go to another level. And I'm come to talk to the ones in this room that are saying there's more. I am ready for God to raise me up for the more. And in the distance, you hear this cry coming forth. That's why I'm preaching the 53 days from the cross to the upper room. An understanding, it's Revelation 3.20, he's standing at the door knocking. You know what I've learned, church? The sound of devastation leads to desperation. Jesus releases his spirit on the cross. He says, it's finished. The chapter I read to you, or the, the verse I read to you in Mark, said that he cried out. I know what that's like. I know what it's like last year to get out of bed every morning and say, and all I could do was pray in tongues. All I could do was pray in the Spirit. We did a video after we walked out of the oncologist's office that went viral on Facebook because I tried to talk like a dummy and I couldn't. I just cried like a little baby and handed Karen the phone after the oncologist said, You're healed. Reminded of a week later, it happened this last, the one year anniversary was a couple days ago. We were down at the beach. Karen had just flown in from Brazil where she had saw 25,000 women touched, where God spoke to her, she was healed. And we're at the beach and all of a sudden, just kinda, you know, it's the aftermath of the war. Doctor just said she's healed. And all of a sudden, we, we, walk, we walk into the condo and we hear music outside. Nobody's even there at the, at the ocean. We hear singing. And we, I open the door and there's a, a women's ministry out on the beach having a worship service in front of our place where we're staying. I thought, what in the world? Well, what that women's ministry didn't know is every morning I would wake up and I would say, Alexa, play Surrounded by Upper Room. It was our song during this battle. Figured Alexa may as well go ahead and play music because the government's listening anyway. That's another thing. Because <laughs> sometimes she'll just, we would just be walking to the house and she'll go, what'd you say? I'm like, go to sleep, Alexa. And all of a sudden, as I'm standing there, this song right here came flooding into our condo. And I looked over at Karen and I began to weep and I said, God's kissing you. And I fell on my knees. See, no matter what you're going through, God wants you to know that he's surrounded you. He's been walking with you, but I've learned some things, church. There's a moment where that desperation 
begins to rise up. But it always starts with devastation. And just before Jesus ascended, he said to the disciples in Luke 24, he said, hey, I know you just went through something at the cross. But he said, I'm going to send the fulfillment of the Father's promise, the Holy Spirit, to you. So stay here in the city until the mighty power of heaven falls upon you and wraps around you. He had given that promise. But nobody ever talks about the waiting period. The season of waiting. When's my miracle coming? When am I going to? It is in the waiting. It is in the waiting room that prayer lives are awakened. You're not getting this yet. It's in the ICU that you begin to see him. It's in that place where you begin to shift. You have to understand the promise of the Holy Spirit is not new. You need to realize the Trinity, the third person of the Trinity is not new. We know that God the Father created humanity so that he could have relationship. We know that we're his masterpiece peace. We know that Jesus, the Son of God, came to seek and save that which was lost. We know the Holy Spirit came to guide into righteousness, friendship, and purpose with God. But see, you have to understand, most people think Holy Spirit just showed up on the day of Pentecost, but he's been with us from the beginning. That's why it says in Genesis chapter 1, he hovered over the water. Genesis chapter 8, Noah released the dove, and the dove did not return. All through God's word. That's why Isaiah would prophesy the upper room. That's why John the Baptist would introduce Jesus as the one that's coming to baptize you in Holy Ghost and fire. Are you still with me so far? That's why Jesus would say in John chapter 14 and John 16, he said, I'm going to leave with you a comforter, a counselor. You will not be an orphan. John 16, he said, he comes to convict the world. So now the disciples have just seen Jesus die. They've went through 40 days of quietness where Jesus just poured into them to prepare them. He's promised them greater works shall you do. And then he ascends. And two men in white stand there and say, he shall return. Jesus has told them now, go to the upper room and they're stuck in the waiting I've come to tell you this is not about a denominational thing anybody that looks at me and say well that's that denomination over there or that's them pin up costals or that's them charismatics you ain't been through enough yet have you you hadn't been in a room where they're watching you wheel your, wheel your son away to have spinal surgery and for eight hours and all you can do is stay on the floor and pray in tongues. You ain't been through much. Because you have to understand the reason why you get baptized in fire because it's a fulfillment of the revelation of God doing a work through you now. Of him allowing you to walk in the supernatural as a sign to the unbeliever to pray a language that the world doesn't understand but God says I'm all ears. Somebody help me preach for a second. There's a moment. See you ain't been through a doctor's report where you wake up early in the morning after you just preach your guts out in another place and you're walking through the house and you know that she's going to get out of bed deeply in pain and you're going no devil you can't have my wife we're called to change the world together she's my co-author she's my best friend we've been married for 29 years and she's fine because it don't matter how ugly you are you are as long as you're anointed you get a hot wife amen <laughs> sorry i digressed but what you have to realize is you ain't been through enough but here's the disciples, and they go and they sit and wait in the upper room. First Corinthians 15, uh, 
Paul tells us that, he, that literally 500 heard Jesus say, go to the upper room, but only 120 showed up. Because 380 loved the cross of grace, but 120 says we love the cross of grace, but we also love the room of fire. You want a denominational split, it was there. But what you have to understand, they needed his spirit. These were perilous times ahead. Jesus had said, you will die for me in Matthew chapter 24. He had told Peter, you'll be stretched out for me. They couldn't go on doing normal. They needed an empowerment. We are living in a day and age where you better have an empowerment. Because culture will lie to you and cognitive dissonance will kick in and begin to mess with everything you know God's word says. In a day and age where you're considered evil if you believe in the life of an unborn child or you believe in a Matthew 19 marriage or you believe in the power of God setting people free, you will be attacked. So you better walk in the... I have a good friend who's in special forces. We talk a great deal and, and sometimes he just gets a, a text and he has to go. He goes straight to the airport, gets on the plane. He told me one day recently we were together and he said, Pat, my weapons are my best friend. He said, I take care of my weapons. Can I tell you something, church? He's given us weapons, and he will allow you to use them to walk in supernatural, to call out things, to pray in the Holy Ghost, to walk through your kid's bedroom. And when you know not what to pray, the Spirit maketh intercession. When you get a stirring inside of you, and you go, you know what? I don't know what's at my front door, but I'm here to say, devil, you can't touch my family. You can't touch my house. They were about to go through something. And Jesus said, I've released my spirit. It is finished. 53 days later, they're sitting in the upper room. They're waiting 10 days, 10 long days. But they were about to go through some things. Do you not know how the disciples died? All you have to do is look at how the disciples died. The death of the apostles. Matthew suffered, mar suffered martyrdom in Ethiopia. Mark died in Alexandria. After being drugged by horses, Luke was hanged in Greece. John faced martyrdom, boiled in oil, ended up in Patmos. Peter was crucified upside down. James had his brains bashed out after being thrown off a cliff, surviving that. They walk up and start beating his brains out, and the very soldier that is holding him as they're beating him gives his heart to Christ and ends up dying right there beside him. When's the last time you had such an impact on people that you've died to yesterday and they say, I gotta do the same thing. Come on, help me preach for a second. James was beheaded. Bartholomew was whipped to death. Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross. Thomas was stabbed with a spear in India on a missionary trip. Jude was killed with arrows. Matthias was beheaded. They were about to go through some stuff. And Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm not going to let you do this on your own. I'm going to empower you. Go, sit, wait. Every revival has a sound. What do you mean, Pat? And they're in the waiting room. And you know what I've learned? Suddenly are preceded by obedience. I wonder if they almost left on the ninth day. But if you'll simply do what God's asking you to do, he'll blow your mind. Whether it's sowing and reaping, whether it's, my son called me yesterday and he said, Dad, are my two sons, 
I need to leave them on your porch. They're two and four. I said, Nate, go back in the house, turn on. He, they were out of control. He said, I've heard the word blood scream 10 times in the last 24 hours. They're killing each other. You don't need to bring them to my house. That's a spank-free zone. Amen. I said, Nate, go turn worship on in your house. It'll change the atmosphere. What you got to realize is suddenlies are preceded by obedience. And the Bible says they're sitting in the upper room, and I'm getting ready to close. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and suddenly... When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like a mighty rush. Every revival has a sound. Suddenly a sound like a mighty rushing wind came. You say, well, that was for that day. That's not for today. You don't know your chronological order. Because 20 years later, in Acts 19 in Ephesus, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. He still moves then. He moves now. He still moves. I have stood on five continents and I've watched the same look that comes over a man. I heard one, somebody say one time, and I wish I could remember his name. It's one of the older great revivalists. He said, I've known many of men who cannot tell you the day they gave their heart to Christ because it was a process for them. But I've never met a man that cannot tell you the day they were baptized in fire. For me, it was eight years old. And then a restoration of that at 16 years old in my bedroom. I write about that in rebuilding the altar when God walked in my room. You have to understand, it wasn't until this last year that we went through doctor report after doctor report after doctor report after doctor report that my prayer language went to another level. At one point, I got tongues. Uh, I was praying in tongues so intensely that I couldn't speak in English. Why are you saying this? Because you need to understand if he's given you a weapon, why in the world are you running into battle naked? There's a moment where you just have more than just a spiritual helmet and you say God download you somebody help me preach for a second and suddenly there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind reminded of the great Hebrides revival 1949 to 1952 I study all the revivals I have a prayer bench in my house from the original great awakening two little women in the Hebrides it's islands off of Scotland God had spoke to him. He would pour water on the dry ground. And all of a sudden, they would pray and pray, these Smith sisters, feeble. And they would look out the window of their little cottage and they would see hundreds underneath the tree lines crying out to God. Finally, their pastor sent a letter to a young evangelist named Duncan Candle, Campbell who was preaching in England. Duncan ignored it until finally God arrested his heart and he got on a boat and went there. The whole city met him and they said, God has promised us, Isaiah, that he would pour water out on dry ground. It's a coal mine area. Drunkards. Lostness. The whole town... Or the whole church shows up to meet Duncan at the boat when he arrives. So they went to this big barn. And they sat there for two hours. And they began to pray. Nothing happened. Duncan said, God, you sent me here. Why am I here? Finally, he turns to an old blacksmith, or a young blacksmith named John. And he says, John, would you just pray? And John, with all his might, stood up in an assembly like this room. And he prayed this, oh God, your honor is at stake. And I now challenge you to fulfill your covenant engagement and do what you have promised to do. 
and the fire of God hit the building. And it began to spread like wildfire. It lasted for three years. The entire region came to Christ. They began to pray in other tongues. You know what he actually prayed? God, your reputation's at stake. You promised you would do this. So you have to understand. Some of you are in this room and there's a roar in your spirit saying, God, your reputation is at stake. And what you have to understand is, when the lion roared from the cross, the Holy Spirit began to soar looking for he can move upon. You know what I've learned, church? I'm done. There was the three steps to the upper room. What are the three steps? Number one, it was time. I'm not talking about Kronos. I'm talking about Kairos. A God moment. I've had so many God moments, but I've also had a lot of Kronos. It was the right time. What do you mean? It was Pentecost. 50 days after the resurrection. That's not a new feast. It was in the Old Testament. It's the Feast of Harvest. The Feast of Weeks. You have to realize God is so cool that he gets timing. He knew Passover to harvest. The upper room wasn't about you walking around and wearing a shirt saying, Holy Ghost filled, look at me. It was about you understanding and empowerment to win the harvest. It was the birthing of the New Testament church. It's when God would awaken the, this 120 to set the world ablaze. Give my God a praise. It was the right time. It was the right attitude. There's some of you in this room already this morning you're going, you know what, I, I knew they'd talk about that tongue thing. Because I was raised in that, you know, Pat, that's, that stuff. I was taught that wasn't for today. No disrespect. You ain't been through what I've been through then. <laughs> when you ain't got no words. You know what the right attitude is? It's very simple. You come in with expectation. Saying, if it's real, I want it. That's what happened in the upper room. They had expectation. If it's real, I want it. I'm desperate. They checked their religion at the door. Too often we have rejected a move of the Holy Spirit as yesterday's move of God when in fact God desires to move past your daily facade into a face-to-face -face encounter. Amen. Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled with the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 12.13, for by one spirit we're all baptized into one body. 1 Corinthians 14, eagerly desire the gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, many gifts but one spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, it goes through the different gifts. Now to each one is manifested and it is speaking in tongues and interpretation. 1 Corinthians 14, 22, it's a sign to the unbeliever. Reminded of a friend of mine that passed away one time. He had been working in his attic and he rolled over on this hot wire, 120, but it held him down. When the pastor got there, a good friend of mine gets there to the attic. The fire and paramedics were in the attic. And my pastor friend, all he could do was pray in tongues. But that's not what the firemen heard. The fireman that was trying to resurrect my friend, bring him back to life, shock him back to life. All he heard the pastor sitting beside him as they're trying to resurrect him, praying was a prophecy over his life.
You can change today. You can be restored today. God's calling you today. My pastor friend was praying in tongues, but that's not what he heard. The time I was preaching in El Paso and the interpreter didn't show up. And all I could do was pray in the spirit. And I didn't realize I was giving an altar call in Spanish. Oh, you go ahead and have your normal. You go ahead and be normal. See, what you have to understand is the gifts are done in order. And then lastly, this is it, and I'm done. It was the right place. The word place in the Greek is epi. It's where we get the word epicenter. It's the place where God drops and goes forward. It was the sound waves from that earthquake in that upper room that would go out. The roar has sound waves. See, when the church awakens to the Holy Spirit who's been longing to come inside of their sanctuaries and homes, they will soon discover that the world will come running to the sound of freedom from their dwellings. Back to what I read to you in the opening and I'm done. Acts 2, 6. Remember, I just wrote this about three days ago. The Lord said, you're going to write this and preach this at faith. When the city heard the roaring... What started at the top of a cross ended at the top of the stairs and released them to come down the stairs. God's saying, I want to fill you with fire today. Stand with me. I want to pour my spirit out on you. I want to heal your families. I want to do war for you. I want to fill you and free you and set you on fire and God's moving across this room. I'm just wondering, with no music, just for a second, just for a second, I'm wondering if there's one person that's been through enough lately that will release the sound. What is the sound? Is there one person in this room that will simply cry out that's been, without going weird, okay? But is there one person in here that will simply say, God, your reputation's at stake, who else? Don't clap, don't clap. I mean, it's a cool thing to do, but we're not doing that. Who else? Who said that? Who said that just now? Do it again. No, do it for your family. Do it for your calling. Do it for your mantle, because you carry a mantle. You carry something great to the nations, and it's fighting you. Go ahead, cry it out now, man. Louder. If you need a miracle in your family, say, God, your reputation's at stake. Here he comes. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. He's hitting the room right now. Why do you say stuff like that? I spend enough time with him when I know my friend's walking up. There's people in this room that need to start at the bottom of the cross so you can end up in the upper room. There's people in this room that's got to get their life set free right now. If he can release his spirit for you, he can release it for me. He can release it for generations. And all over this room, if you are desperate for God, to, if you say, Pat, I've got sin in my life. I need Jesus to save me and change me. 
because I'm ready for the upper room. If you need Jesus to save you, forgive you, or you need to come back to him, I'm not going to beg you. In fact, I'm not going to take a long moment on this. This is just the beginning. You have to start at the cross to end up in the upper room. And all over this place, God is going to walk you through freedom. And if you say, I need Jesus to set me free and forgive me, raise your hand now. Who cares when he raise it high, so stinking high. That's it. There's hundreds of hands up. Salvation belongs to our God. Whoever calls the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've got your hand raised from the balcony to the floor, raise the other hand beside it if you physically can. Come on, raise it high. Welcome to the cross. This is where it starts. I'm telling you, there's hundreds and hundreds that are raising their hands right now. Would you pray this out loud? Say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me. Restore me. Help me. Jesus, I need you. If you can die for me, if you can be my Savior, then on this day, I give you everything. My past, my pain, my now. Jesus, you are my Lord. Put your hands down. Welcome to my family. <laughs> Welcome to the family. Welcome to my family! But now here comes the next part. Oh, it's about to get good. Feel your presence all around me. Won't you come, Holy Spirit? From over here to back there to right here to over here to right up front, all over this room, if you say, Pat, I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want what they experienced in the upper room. How do you get it? You just ask. Can you mess it up? No. Can I go to heaven without it? Yes, but you need it for work. You need it for I-4. You need it when you ain't got no words. He says, I'll baptize you in fire today. And if you say, Pat, I'm ready to be filled with the Spirit. I want this. Maybe you used to be, but you're not anymore. we got to stir that gift back up. You say, Pat, I want a prayer language. I want to be able to flow in such a way that it's me and God talking. Can I tell you it's about to happen? The sound is coming forth. And all over this room, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and you are ready for it, I, we're not going to manipulate you. It's nothing like that. I'm telling you, everywhere we go, everybody gets filled. You know why? Because I remove all the stuff and just say, are you ready? Here it comes. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, raise your hand now. They're all over this room. Raise it up high. Shake it at me. Come on, mama. Come on, dad. Come on, grandfather. Raise it higher. I believe today is the day where it's going to happen. Teenager, grandparent. I'm a grandfather. In 30 days, I get free coffee. I'll be 50. Can I tell you, I need it now more than when I was 20. If you raise your hand, raise both hands. Now, I want you to look at the person beside you if their hands are raised and say, this is your moment. 
If you just raise both your hands, altar team is going to help me. If you just raise your both your hands, would you come stand down here as a family from the balcony to the floor? Come stand with me just for a second. Just for a few moments. Come on. Takes guts. Come on, altar team. Come on. From the balcony to the floor. Who cares? Come on. I don't care what anybody thinks. If they're handing out weapons, I want to be in line. Come on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come closer. No, there's still a bunch. And you're like, I don't know if this is real. I give you my word. Better yet, I give you the word of God that says it's real. Come closer. Come on, teenagers. Oh, won't you fill me up? Sing it again. Lift your hands. Fill me up, God. Fill me up. Who oh, won't you? Fill me up. There's a bunch more that are supposed to be here. God wants to pour fire on the oil of your life so it'll spread. Come closer. He's about to move. How do I get filled with the Spirit, Pat? Oh, it's really easy. Just ask. The Bible says he's a good father. It says he won't give you a serpent or a rock. He says he gives you what a good father gives you. You're not an orphan. You don't have to beg. All you can do is ask. This is your moment. How do I ask? You just simply say, Lord, will you baptize me in fire? Will you fill me with the Holy Ghost? And a language is going to begin to come out of your belly. It may start off with just, you know, just a few words. Might even be what's called stammering lips. It'll come. But we're going to wait on it for a second. No music. I want this to be a God moment. I want those that are out there to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Just begin to pray. Don't clap. Just begin to pray because the ones up here are desperate, man. This is the like this is a book of Acts moment. And all over this room, if you're up front or you're still in the back and didn't want to make the journey up, that's cool too. But simply say this: say God. Everybody, everybody say God. Everybody help them. Say God. It's real. I believe. And I know I need it. God. Now listen to me for a second. You can't mess it up. You can't fail at this. He's going to fill you with the Spirit. But what if I don't get it? It's okay. Well, can I still be a believer? Absolutely. It'll come. You may be one of those sleeping talkers, is what I call them. You go to sleep at night, and all of a sudden you wake up with it coming out. I'm telling you, I've seen it. But all over the room, if you're desperate, say, God, everybody in the house, help them. Say, God, I'm ready. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you do it in the upper room, if you've done it throughout history, then you can do it in me. Fill me with a language from on high, a new language. God, I'm ready. Here it comes. Say, God, I'm ready. Get ready. Here it comes. Say, Lord, I receive 
the baptism of fire right now. Everyone begin to pray. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Here it comes. It's coming up. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. It's going to roll up out of you. It's going to be, there it is. I'm hearing people are standing up here. It's beginning to flow out of you. You're beginning to baptize in the Holy Ghost. A language between you and God. So, come on, pray. Just pray. It's going to flow. Try to even talk. But you're going to be all of a sudden like, it's going to come out of you. You say, I hadn't got it yet. That's okay. Press. So let it flow out of you. It may be one syllable and you're like, it sounds stupid. Trust the process. Trust the process. Trust the process. Trust the process. Come on, pray louder, saints. Pray louder, saints. Oh, no, 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 no